Welcome to the Geek Bits Podcast with your hosts, Mike, David, and Craig. Welcome to the Geek Bits Podcast, episode number nine. We're going to be talking about uh, legacy car manufacturers and how they're going to deal with the electric revolution that's coming. One of the things I want to do since I've been driving an electric car since like 2011, I think, uh, something like that. Um, I've had a lot of experience through the last 10 years or so that I think a lot of uh, newcomers to the topic are probably not even going to be aware of. And I think it's important to talk a little bit about that and so I'm going to kind of like monologue for like the next 15 20 minutes and just tell you some of the um, things that have happened over the last 10 years and of course Mike and Craig are are welcome to um, interject with questions or their own stories or whatever Um, and then when we get through there then we'll jump and talk about what the future is going to hold for this and 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 a lot of that's just going to be speculation Uh, we're going to you know that's what we do here Uh, (laughs) so but before I even get started on that, I just I just wanted to mention a couple of things. I've got me a little outline here because I got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I want to talk about like what forces change in a marketplace, like technology disruption. And if you look at like any of the technologies that have uh, been displaced, it's almost always from an outside company. And uh, an example I'm going to throw out there is like a digi- non-incumbent. Yeah, yeah. So like digital cameras, for example, were introduced by companies like Casio, Logitech, and uh, you know originally, and and not by like Kodak and Afghan or Polaroid. Uh, Polaroid, and- all those. No, yeah, because they were happy making the products that they made, and they didn't feel any reason to to introduce this new product and um another similar example would be like digital streaming you know it came from companies like apple and netflix amazon stuff like that not companies like sony or bmg or virgin or any of the traditional music companies because they were happy with the paradigm that they had of selling music on physical media and 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 selling it in stores and even blockbuster video if those of you that remember that um (laughs) got its you know you know, it's rear-handed to it because they <laughs> yeah. didn't get into the streaming model. Like right. even before Netflix was doing streaming, they were they were sending the the DVDs in the mm-hmm. mail and that sort of thing. And and Blockbuster, you know, just never jumped on board. They wanted that traditional like yeah. in the store model. We've been doing business this way for X number of years. It's always worked for us. We don't. See Why change the recipe? Right. Yeah. yeah, and many right. times the the hesitancy to change, like David mentioned, Kodak, the hesitancy to change is because. Um, they have a, a secondary market that they're trying to, to maintain, like, for example, the selling of the film that goes right. in those cameras, right? Right. Kodak had was mm. very invested in not just selling the cameras, but they did the processing, the film. They sold all of the heavy equipment that was used for developing all that stuff. So, yeah, they, they had a lot to lose. Yeah, so make it, <laughs> making a digital camera almost put them out of business, you know, yeah. right? But right. We, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Didn't Xerox have, like, the first exposure to, like, a Windows-based computer mm-hmm. or a computer with a mouse or something? And they're Steve like... Steve Jobs stole it. Yeah, and then they... <laughs> and Bill Gates, really. And they were like, you know, they didn't have really interest in computers because they're like, well, we're a paper company. You know, we, yeah. we do copiers and stuff like that. So you see this pattern through technology and, mm-hmm. and industry over and over again. I want to talk about the first EVs. I mean, I mean, I don't want to talk about the ones that were introduced back in like the you know early 1900s, like 
you know, the Baker Electrics and stuff. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the first modern EVs, which would have, you know, we're talking like 2010, like when the Chevy Volt came out and uh, the Nissan Leaf and, and some of these others. And, um, you know, obviously I was watching that market very closely at the time, and I did end up buying uh, one of the first Nissan Leafs. In fact, I had uh, the honor of being the, um, at least the dealer told me anyway, I was the first Nissan Leaf owner in Texas, I think he said. But these cars, uh, and there were several that followed within the next year or two, you know, Ford had their their C-Max Energy, and then uh, Fiat had their little 500E, and uh, Ford also had their little uh, Focus Electric that was like a conversion of the regular Focus with the battery filling up the whole trunk and, <laughs> you know, all of these things. And uh, these cars, you know, they, they got, you know, like usually like 80, 90 miles of range and uh, they didn't have any kind of charging infrastructure or anything like that. But uh, these cars were made primarily as uh, compliance cars. And for those that don't know what that term means, it's used heavily in the, you know, when people talk about EVs these days. But uh, basically, California had this rule that you had to build a certain number of EVs or you couldn't sell cars in their state. So every company had to produce, you know, a token amounts of electric cars. So what they would usually do is it would just take one of their existing cars and just kind of convert it a little bit over. And often they would outsource, uh, you know, have some other company make the drivetrain and then they would just put it in their car and and, uh, you know, they usually wanted to sell like maybe two, 3,000 a year of these because that's what they had to sell. And they didn't want to sell a single unit more than what they had to make. In fact, um, the head of Chrysler said right on like national news one day when he was being interviewed and they asked him about electric cars. And he's like, yeah, we have one and we hope you don't buy it. <laughs> and the, the confused reporter was like, well, why? And he's like, well, because we lose $14,000 on every one that we sell. So I'm assuming, you know? like, the purpose of this law was to kind of drive the industry forward yeah. and kind of force the car makers to get on the environmental bandwagon or whatever. Yeah. Did it Did it help achieve, to your knowledge, did it help achieve that goal? Like, did it push some it, innovation forward? I think it did because um, despite the fact that the car companies tried really hard not to make these cars too desirable – um, they had to make them at least desirable enough that people would buy them. <laughs> yeah, because they had to sell their 2000 or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I think it did help educate people. People did buy the cars. They say, hey, you know, you can you can drive this to work every day. It does work. Because a lot of people out there would just say electric cars just don't work. I heard that so many times. And so even though these cars were not that great, they did work and people did experience that hey you you can do this and the car companies learned how to make them and it, you know they got to experiment with different uh concepts and battery types and whatnot and um you know so yeah and i want to talk a little bit, <laughs> bit about the yeah um the the cars of course that they they did make they marketed towards tree huggers um <laughs> to, you know environmentalists yeah that you was whack you know, on that job so. i um <laughs> I had an argument We're one gonna time. We're going to get destroyed in the comments yeah. now. Yeah. I had an argument one time. I had mine though, changed where it actually runs off a of coal. I stick the coal in the back. Coal just in the like, back, yes. Just like the DeLorean from Back to the Future, but uh, it's what, all coal. What, Wait, what do you call it? The... Uh, we call the thing in the in the that you put the stuff in, in the Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion. Fusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah get Mr. A, Cole. You have a Mr. Cole oh, in the back yeah. of your car. Sorry, David. I'm yeah, <laughs> I actually at one of the auto shows they had a rep out there from Nissan and I already owned a Leaf at that point, but I was talking to they had the Leaf there at the auto show and I was, you know, and he was telling me on and on about how oh, the, you know, environmentalists are buying this car and whatever. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? 
you're never going to sell any volume of this car if the target market is environmentalists. I mean, there's sure, you know, there's environmentalists out there that's going to buy it, but your average right. car buyer is just going to see that. And, and it's like, it's like walking through the grocery store and seeing low fat ice cream on the shelf, right? Mo yeah. There's people that will buy that, but most people are going to assume, Hey, this low fat, that probably tastes not, bad. Not any of but, us in this room. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Most people are going to say that's low fat. That probably tastes bad. Let me move on to the the good stuff. You yeah. Know? And and that and I I like I even criticized him. I said, look, you the only thing you've got on the back of this car it says zero emission and a big logo is like two feet wide. Or, no, it probably wasn't that big. Probably about a foot wide. And I'm like, you know, that's that's your marketing slogan for this car is that it's zero emission. That is not going to sell any volume the mass, of cars. Because yeah. basically people are selfish, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's no knock if you're not a big, huge environmentalist. I, I'm not. I'm concerned, but I'm not well, I, banging too. the door right. down I mean, every day. I, but. And, and that's kind of the thing that a lot of people assume because I was buying EVs that I must be some big tree hugger. And, and that's kind of what I told the rep. I'm like, look, there's so many advantages to these cars. And you don't market any of them. All of the commercials that you've had about this car have been about how great they are for the environment. And you don't mention to anybody the fact that you don't have to go to gas stations anymore. You have, like, instant torque. You don't have any oil changes or maintenance or any of that kind mm. of baloney that you have to deal with. And it's super quiet and all these things. And and um, you don't mention any of these you things You know, that's to people. something I don't think people really think about. And I My house is right on a highway, and Fort Worth has gotten a lot busier over the past 10 years since we've moved over there. And... Noise pollution is a thing. Like, Especially with engine braking. That drives me insane. And the, the big <laughs> diesel trucks and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so, like, we, we're lucky. The big, the big diesel. Yeah. So you, you know what engine braking is? Where they, they, they basically um, use the engine. They, they um, like, the, the cylinders are moving up and down in compressing air, right? Mm -hmm. So they basically let off the gas and then use the engine, the, the compression of the, of the cylinders, to slow the truck down. And it makes the, the truck maker real loud. Now, do they, no, do they have that, to right? downshift to do that? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So it's just like well, I think actually I think in the big trucks there's a there's a button they press to to turn the engine braking on. I don't think they have to f actually downshift, but that is one way to do it, right? But um, but regardless, that's what makes it really loud like that, right? And it's gotten a lot louder <laughs> it gets, in my because more and more my trucks have it. Yeah, yeah, and there's just there's just more traffic right off of the highway near our house, so. So yeah. a lot of advantages, so, you know, besides yeah. the environmental right. part. And, and, and there's, a, you know, and the government, believe it or not, although a lot of people think the government's, the reason they're pushing EVs is for environmental reasons. And there is some truth to that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that one of the reasons the government is heavily interested in is because it reduces our dependence on oil, which, you know, during wartime and whatnot can be scarce. And even though, yeah, we're producing a lot of it domestically now, you know, that, you know, supply of oil has always been kind of an up and yeah. down thing, and and uh, the the government feels that we would be more um, independent as a nation if we could produce our own energy for our own transportation locally, and so being able to produce it as electric cars, it, you know, so they don't talk about that that much, but that that's like it's interesting. It's it's kind of a security thing yeah, for, yeah. for our nation, yeah. National security, exactly. So that's that's uh, one of the reasons they don't talk about a lot, but that's probably more reason than the environmental uh, aspect that the government wants to push them. But uh, but yeah, so the early cars were marketed towards tree huggers. The body styles were designed to be kind of polarizing, where you kind of either hate it or like it, or maybe nobody likes it. I mean, the Leaf, even though I owned one, I never considered it to be. A beautiful, a car. beautiful car, <laughs> the most ugly cars I've ever seen. Um, you know, <laughs> but 
in post we should do show a couple of the, we, those we cars. Will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also owned a BMW i3. Again, you know, some people think that it's a beautiful car. I thought it was okay. A lot of people thought it was hideously ugly. I think Mike is one of those people. <laughs> I always found like the oh. Prius is a little ugly. boxy. Yes, like, ugly. They're not. There's some futuristic appeal and that tiny. I like. Way too but, small. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, they they didn't really want to make these cars particularly desirable and uh, even the uh, dealerships that sold them uh, didn't want to sell them usually uh, for a number of reasons and I've I've actually talked with some of the salesmen behind the scenes uh, over the years about that and and they're like they don't like selling electric cars cuz they're too difficult to sell because uh, people come up and they have 40 million questions for them hmm. And, they can't move them off the lot. Right, fast right. Enough. You know, so uh, one salesman told me, he said he can sell an EV and it's not a problem, but it uh, he can sell three gas cars and the amount of time it takes to sell one EV because he doesn't have to explain to the gas car owner how to plug it in, how to charge yeah. it, where Look, to, where is, to go, you know, charge on the road. This is a very common thing in industries as they change. Like, like um, look look at the difference between like when AST when you and I worked there and you sold computers and all the time that was spent on teaching people how to use them and you talk about digital natives and stuff all the time, mm -hmm. right? And so the markets are changing. So in the beginning, yes, it's going to take more and more education and all that. That's going to go away. When everybody drives yeah. an EV, they'll sell just the same, and there won't be forty thousand right, right. questions. You but, you know, EV the, natives. But for the yeah. salesmen that e EV natives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for the salesmen right now, you know, they're still faced with this conundrum that they're like, right, and they, you know, you know they, they want to make, make their money. paycheck. Yeah, yeah, they want to make their money, so they're going to sell. You know, and I've personally experienced this twice, and I've I've, I've seen it discussed on the internet a lot, where they will flat out lie. Like you go to a dealership, you know they've got. This is a, a legacy dealership. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, for example, a Nissan dealer. I'm not gonna say which one, but they lied to me. I walked onto the uh, lot because I knew they wow. had a Leaf. I knew they had two or three of them actually, <clears throat> and we were gonna buy one. We already had one. We were actually gonna upgrade to a newer model. There were like three or four salesmen standing out there in the parking lot. And of course, they all walked up to me. Hey, can we help you? Whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in a in a Nissan Leaf. And they all looked at each other. We don't sell those here. I'm like. You don't. You're just out of stock, or you don't sell them, or is oh no, we don't. We just don't sell those here at all. And I started looking around for a moment. And I'm like, well, what about that one right over there? <laughs> <laughs> and they're all act all surprised, like, oh, oh, we must have just got that in or whatever, you know, because they didn't want to deal with it. And right. of course, um, they were a little, you know, once they realized I already owned one and they didn't have to explain all this stuff to me. Then I could, they were more accommodating. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and, I don't know uh, if you ever heard this before, but people that sell cars are not always 100% honest. No. It's going to be a, a shock to, to our what audience. A shocker. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, that's been a hindrance that's been around for a while. And we're going to have to talk, when we get through with this list of where we've been, that's going to be one of the things we'll have to talk about, about how we're going to get past some of that. Um, I also want to talk about... Um, this is going to be a bit of a sensitive topic, and I know we don't usually like to talk about anything political on this show, but uh, I am going to have to uh, pick on <laughs> the Republicans a little bit here. Oh, Lordy. Oh, here uh, we go. <laughs> you know, David, we're in the wrong state for that. Yeah. We could be in well, a lot of trouble. To be fair. Should we go lock the front doors? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, for all you Republicans out there, be fair, uh, in about 20 minutes, I'm going to be picking on the Democrats. Okay. Okay. <laughs> For a different reason, right so I'm going to try to balance that out a little bit. But um, fair gonna... to balance is our motto <laughs> yes, for this yes, show. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so um, this is actually this is not something that happens that much now. Uh, this is something that happened years ago, and I think that it's important to not forget about how this happened. But um, 
you know, when the Leaf and the Volt and some of these early uh, cars, including Tesla, you know, they were making the Model S and whatnot uh, back then, came out, um, there were a number of uh, Republicans, and I'm not necessarily talking about your Joe Blow Republican that, you know, like con- consumer or whatever. I'm talking about the guys, you know, that run the the media, right? We're, we're talking about like, you know, Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Fox News and all their anchors and, and, and everything. Right. Uh, they had um, pretty much, they were totally against electric cars. And they... Spent, really? Yeah. Like, I would th- wouldn't think that would be... I mean, I could see it as a little bit of an issue, but not like... Well, they saw it... A major and, and, polarizing and, thing. And I think I think they saw it this way partly because the fact that the auto manufacturers were marketing these cars as environmentally friendly. And the fact that the government was incentivizing them with taxes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and, this, and this, I mean, um, let's be honest, the, the biggest reason is because... Of uh, the oil industry, they people have there's a yep. lot, a lot, a lot of jobs in the oil industry, and the Republicans um, they get a lot of their funding, they get, they get a lot of their funding from there, and that's where they that's where they yeah. have to. And, and, and to be fair, the Democrats have their own industri- industries Absolutely. like tech and yes. things like that. Yes. So, so, but anyway, so this happened. Uh, a lot of uh, negative stories, and and when I, I don't just mean negative, but a lot of misinformation. A lot of, well, flat-out lies, or in many cases, they would run a story that was true, but they wouldn't tell you all the facts, and they'd let people kind of draw their own conclusions, or even the anchors on screen would draw their own conclusions from the fact without telling us the whole story. And I'm going to give you a great example. Um, There was a Chevy Volt, uh, early model, that caught fire in the test lab uh, when they crash-tested it. Now, this was later determined to be a result of uh, human error because they're supposed to, you know, like drain all the gas and discharge the battery and all these things from any car that they are going to crash test. And they didn't do that. And they crashed. So even a Volt. gas car. Would yeah. Have even had a the gas same car issue. could have had the same issue. So they crash tested the Volt, uh, and then it caught on fire. And I don't even know why that became a news story, but like Fox news and all the Republican uh, news media just caught onto this and they kept talking over and over about how, and, and, the, and you know, at first it was, oh, it, it, cra- it caught on fire during the crash. Next thing you know, Chevy Volts are fire traps. They all catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it goes on and on. And I actually got stopped twice in a parking lot back when I had my 2013 Nissan, or sorry, uh, Chevy Volt. Uh, and both kind, both times, a guy walked up to me because uh, he was getting out of a car nearby or something. Says, "Oh, this is one of those new Chevy Volts, isn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah." He says, "Aren't you afraid of that catching on fire? Do you park that in your garage?" <laughs> and you know, I'll ask him. I'm like, "Well, well, why would you, you know, why would you be worried about that kind of thing?" He's like, "Well, I've heard that these cars catch on fire a lot, and they're death traps and all that kind of stuff, and, and they'll burn your house down and whatnot." And um, now, to be fair, the Chevy Bolt, which starts with a B as in boy, uh, actually, do that. <laughs> actually does have some uh, current recall for fires, but that's a newer product. that didn't even exist back then. Right. The Volt with a V like Victor, which is what I was driving, um, uh, had, just had this one crash test. Had thing. never, yeah. like there, up to that day, there had never been a, I don't think there's still been a, a single case of a Chevy Volt ever spontaneously catching on fire or whatever. The only one I'm aware of is the one in the test lab that was in that one video. And yet, because they could spin a story in a way to create outrage or to, to own the libs, you know, um, they, they were just, just throw the story out there constantly of volts catching on fire. And what did they do? They succeeded. They created an, uh, you know, you say a lie enough yeah. times, it becomes truth to people. So, uh, and so there's 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 two things I want to I want to say about this. So number number one is, um, I, I, have you guys seen the movie Demolition Man? Yeah, 
So, so of in course. the movie Demolition Man, yeah, Sandra Bullock has to get on the back of a motorcycle with Sylvester Stallone. And it's one they pulled out of, like, storage or something. I forget where they got it. But they're going down the road really fast. And she's like, all of a sudden, she's like, wait, does this thing run on gas? And he's like, yep. And she goes, do you know gas explodes, right? You know, so so it, it's, it's – It it's, is called it's, a combustion engine for a reason. <laughs> it is. Like, it is. But the point, point, it is, point of it is, is, I'm sure society had moved along at that point. Everything was probably electric and demolition, man. Right. And now they were all afraid of gas. Right. So, you know, right. it's, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. Paradigm shift. Yeah, paradigm shift. Okay, so, so that's number one. Number two, this is really more for the audience. And you guys really need to think about – um, when you're listening to the media and you're listening to your favorite politician, um, the, the, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, absolutely for, forget the side of the fence. You're being lied to, and you're being lied to all the time. And if you're not being lied to, you're being the story is being twisted biased. and biased by leaving out facts, like David just mentioned. Um, and and I want to give you an example of that, and it's a it's a real world example that happened in in the in the fifties and the sixties. Doctors were being paid left and right uh, bonuses mm-hmm. to lie on national TV and in ads to say that cigarettes were safe. Yep. In fact, they, many doctors even had their own like favorite packs of cigarettes that yep. you know that they smoked. Um, and it didn't come out. It took like 20 years for that yep. to come out, um, that that's what was going on. And so what are they lying to you about right now? Just always be thinking yep, about that. Absolutely. <laughs> so the second thing I want to talk about on this is uh, there was um, – well, I, I think it stemmed from a fact that Obama drove a uh, Chevy Volt one time around the White House lot because a friend of his owned one, and the media caught him driving that, and, and he, they asked him about it. He's like, yeah, this is my friend's car, and I wanted to see it, and – you know, the Secret Service won't let me drive it outside of the White House because I'm not allowed to drive, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And uh, that got on the news. The next thing you know, um, uh, the Chevy Volt was being labeled by Republicans as Obama car. It was the Obama <laughs> car. And, um, and, and of course, this, again— Are you uh, sure they just weren't mince, mispronouncing uh, Obamacare? Screw <laughs> <laughs> that and, you know, this, this, car. this uh, oh, frustrated me a lot because um, this started to create this enormous hatred of the Chevy Volt within, um, you know, far right wing um, uh, circles. And uh, believe it or not, um, my wife was driving. We went through Fort Worth uh, one time and we actually had uh, two guys in a big dually pickup try three or four times to run us off the freeway by trying to sideswipe us. And a guy, one of the guys was yelling, he had his window down, and he was yelling cur- curse words at us about our Obama car. Oh, my God. And, um, and uh, I think and, at the time you actually voted Republican. And I did. I actually, I, I, I did not, I'm, I'm saying this right, I did not vote for Obama. So I'll go ahead and say that right now. Um, um, so, and, and that was. Oh, irony. That was the irony. In fact, here's, and, and once this whole Obama car thing st- started, the, the biggest irony of all. No. Is, Back up a second, because I'm, I'm. This is hurting my brain a little bit that people are willing to do this. Did you have any like bumper stickers no, or anything no. that like? In fact, I hate bumper political. stickers. I refuse to put bumper stickers on my yeah. car. And um, so, anyway, the biggest irony of all is that the reason, of course, again, that Republicans were so mad about this uh, electric car stuff is well, they claimed anyway, is because of the uh, tax incentives and other government incentives that was being used to promote them. And the irony is that all of those incentives, every single last one of them, was put in place by George W. Bush. Bush. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so it's just that it happens that – so he started the whole revolution there. 
and 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 then of course you know it takes time for these things to be made. Right. So they didn't come to market until after he was out of office. So now Obama's in office. Right. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny how people they always like anything that goes wrong, they always want to blame the president that's in office. Or if anything that goes right, the president that's office Absolutely. always gets the credit. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what you know, previous president may have done, good or bad, <laughs> you know, especially if he was of a there's different, a, repu- a different party, a delay know. before a lot of things yeah. take effect, yeah. and yeah. you know, we don't we don't receive our political you know changes <laughs> in real time, yeah, like absolutely. And so, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's um, that's uh, that that was an issue, and then I have uh, uh, one more thing I wanted to say about the the political thing. During the Obama administration, they did try to fund a number of green initiatives uh, that were separate from from what uh, Bush had done. But um, the uh, a lot of these car companies were thrown into this lumped in with um, Solyndra and Fisker. So for those that don't know, Solyndra was a uh, big news back in the time because uh, the government had funded this big solar company and like they spent millions and millions of dollars on this big factory. And then they went out of business, like almost immediately. Like, I don't even know if they ever got the doors open because the Chinese manufacturers had basically outdone them before, before they even got started. And so, you know, this was considered one of Obama's green failures and whatever. And so a lot of the politicians were uh, lumping like Tesla in, uh, I can't tell you how many times I heard Tesla in the same sentence as Solyndra because the government had also given Tesla a loan. And what a lot of people don't know is they also gave loans to General Motors and Ford, and I think even Chrysler, but definitely General Motors and Ford, for also advancing their EV programs. And that's where the LEAF and the C-MAX and the Focus Electric and all that came from. I mean, those companies didn't even use their own money to develop it. Right. (laughs) They used government money. So, again, these were some of the reasons why – uh, a lot of people were very, very against this, and the government shouldn't be picking winners and losers and all that. And again, it all seemed to revolve around this whole like tree hugger thing, right? And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, Tesla has been under attack not only from a political standpoint, but from short sellers. And uh, for those that don't know, uh, short sellers is basically, I'm not going to go into the whole explanation of it, but they're people who they bet on a stock going down rather than up in order for them to make their money. And one of the things that they will do is if they're planning to short sell a stock, they will actually spend money on misinformation campaigns and troll farms, social media posts, fake news, all that kind of stuff in order to cause a stock to sink by saying bad things about a company or yeah, making market bad manipulation. Yeah. yeah. And Tesla has been one of the, you know, this not by far not the only company to ever be a victim of this. <clears throat> But in recent history, one of the biggest victims of short sellers. Uh, so a lot of the misinformation that gets spread around. There's an economic reason for it. Right. Yeah. It's not just from political sides, but also economic stuff uh, from people literally spreading lies in order to yeah. make these um, companies uh, look bad. I, I'll try to find it for the for the links in the description, and, and maybe I'll even post it on the screen if I can find it. Um, but uh, NPR had an article where they actually analyzed uh, comments that were posted on their website on, on certain articles. And this wasn't just about electric cars. This was about a lot of different topics, right? But, right. but they showed that most of the IP addresses that made negative comments on <laughs> certain topics always came from uh, botnets and VPNs and right and so you know all that that those comments are fake so when you right. when you're when you're scrolling through the the Fox News or the C, I, well I guess CNN doesn't have comments but we'll say Fox News comments um, and and you see all of these comments don't be surprised if like 50% of the people that you're going yeah with are actually troll farms like yeah. people paid to make those comments so yeah <clears throat> 
Yeah, uh, that's that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so anyway, the thing is, you know, a lot of this misinformation, you know, it, it gets seeded. People believe it. They spread it around. And uh, this has been uh, and, and and by the way, um, I'm not making this up, but, you know, because a lot of people say, well, that's just a conspiracy theory. But the fossil fuel companies have actually spent millions and millions of, of advertising campaigns uh, to say negative things about electric cars. Of course. And they actually admit it. It's on their it's actually on their like. You know, ten K report, right? You can actually <laughs> see, and they've even uh, admitted it several times. Uh, I think uh, the Koch brothers admitted spending like ten million dollars in. Uh, um, uh, I forget exactly the way they phrased it. They tried to phrase it, you know, as yeah. but but basically it was anti EV propaganda, and you know, and it's because you, they have this economic incentive. Yeah, they have a vested because... interest to slow it down. I think they know at this point they can't stop it, but they've right. tried to slow it down, and I think they've succeeded in slowing it down. Oh, they most certainly have. Yeah. yeah, and again, you know, we, we were talking earlier about you're constantly being manipulated and lied to. What else besides this topic? Just yeah. always be thinking right. about that. Yeah. yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Tesla uh, specifically. Um, so we we've established to this point, and and we're probably up to like 2015, 2016 in our little little history uh, lesson <laughs> here. Line. You know, so we've covered about five or six years. This is kind of what's been going on. Tesla's uh, still growing as a company. And uh, but uh, besides being constantly under attack by short sellers, there has been, um, you know, this moving goalpost for them. Like all these uh, experts kept saying Tesla is going to be out of business in two weeks, three weeks, two months, whatever. And and they'd have all these reasons why. And they'll say, well, Tesla is never going to achieve this. And there's been like 30 or 40. I've, I've totally lost track of it now of all the different things Tesla is never going to achieve uh, before they go out of business. Right. And uh, and so and every time Tesla meets one of these, they just move the goalpost. I'll give you an example. Like uh, when they announced the Model 3, like all these uh, short sellers and all these experts experts would come out and say, oh, Tesla is going to go out of business before they can ever bring the Model 3 to market. I remember hearing this yeah. a lot, yeah. Well, Model 3 came to market, and then they're like, okay, okay, okay. They brought it to market, but they're never going to get uh, production, production ramped, ramped up, up. <laughs> before they go out of business. Well, they got production ramped up. And then they're like, okay, okay, they got that done. But Tesla's never going to make a profit, you know. Oh, then they made a profit. And then, you know, and they just keep moving the goalpost back a little bit further. And they're still doing it to this day, saying that Tesla is never going to achieve XYZ before they, they go out of business. And their stock is going to crash at any moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, clearly, clearly none of this has happened. And, um, you know, the, the thing about it is, is uh, Tesla... Tesla is the only manufacturer of vehicles that makes, you know, all electric cars. And one of the things, one of the many things that sets them apart from other manufacturers is they want to make their electric cars as desirable as possible because that's all yeah. they sell. They're they're yeah. not trying to to appeal to a certain uh, market. They want they want everybody to buy their car, right? Right. Now, GM and Ford and Chrysler and all these other car companies that have made electric cars up to this point, they've been trying to make their, their electric cars as least desirable as possible because they don't want them to compete with their profitable gas cars. Right. And they also probably knew that they could make better electric cars and possibly even sell them at a profit. But uh, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. We're like, well, we're already doing – we like the way we're doing business right now. It would take billions of dollars of investment to make electric cars at an economy of scale that would be profitable. We don't 
We don't want to take that risk. We don't want to move that direction, not when we have this cash cow that we've got. Yeah, right and, now. I, and I'll add something and, to that too because I actually know somebody who works at Ford at a very, um, well, I say very high level, a significantly high level. <clears throat> and uh, and he gave me some information that I thought was fantastic. This probably won't be any surprise to anybody, but you know, part of what the Ford and some of the legacy automakers have to do is deal with the unions. And I'm not here to say whether unions are good or bad. That's a whole mm-hmm. different. We could do a whole podcast on that, right? Because they pros and cons to everything. But part of the problem is to shift to an EV means that Ford has to, for example, stop making transmissions. They have yeah. to stop making carb well, not carburetors, fuel injectors. They have to stop making, you know, all of the legacy car parts. And because an EV has significantly fewer parts. Oh, and so they can't sell those parts for well, repairs. It really has no jobs. No. So they have factories upon factories that make all those motors and transmissions and all mm-hmm. those things that simply would be closed because – and those jobs would go away. So the unions are also part of the oh. reason. Okay. So um, – so, you know, having established that, I wanted to move to talk about, um, you know, so these manufacturers, again, they don't want to, if they, if, like, if they made a really desirable EV and brought it to their dealership, well, suddenly it's going to make their gas cars look bad, you know, and they don't, they, they don't want that. So again, they've kind of made mediocre EVs. <clears throat> and uh, here's what changed all that. Tesla, when they brought the Model 3 to market, and then it started selling like crazy. Hotcakes. <laughs> it started outselling cars, you know, you always think of as being like the top cars in the markets, like, you know, Toyota, Camrys, and stuff like that. Suddenly, there's Model 3s everywhere. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it became the number one selling compact, or not, what do they call that? That mid-size, mid-size right. car. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's, it may still be, but it, it definitely has been many months at a time. Yeah. And um, so... Once that was successful, and then of course Tesla's, you know, they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make a Model Y, and we're gonna build these new factories, and then they start suddenly all the manufacturers start. They've been ignoring Tesla all this time, thinking, oh, they're not competition for us. They only make this piddly number of cars per year or whatever. Well, suddenly they're not anymore. Suddenly they're starting to look like, hey, these guys are um, growing really fast, and now they're starting to eat into our business. In fact, they've kind of realized. If we just keep doing what we're doing, in 10 years, Tesla will take all of our business away because they see the growth and their bottle is shrieking. Yep. Tesla is growing. Now, right now, you you know, you go out on the, the dealer lots and their lots are still full of gas cars, but the dealers are not oblivious, or not the dealer, manufacturers are not oblivious to the trend that's, yeah. that's coming. And you, all you have to do is look at some of the other countries that are way ahead of the U.S., I'm yeah. going to throw Norway out this there is, as a good this example. This is key. Um, this is really key. And and if 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 you, you we we as Americans tend to only look at America, only care what happens here. But when we compare this thing, because this thing's already happened in other, right. like what we're about to talk about has already happened in other right. countries. So we know the trajectory. Right. right? So uh, Norway was one of the first countries to really have a big adoption curve for EVs. And the interesting thing is, once they got to about thirty percent. It only took like another year or two from to hit 90. And part of the reason for that is because once you hit 30% EVs, like almost at, like everybody knows somebody that's got And when you say car. 30% EVs, do you mean how many are manufactured like or how like many sales. are actually uh, sales. sales? Okay, yeah. not yeah. necessarily on the road because it's going to be older cars on the road. Right. Sure. New cars selling off the lots. Yeah. It's right. 30%. So new cars being sold in Norway, I think as of this month, I think they're like 93%. Only like 7% of people are buying uh, traditional gas cars. And most of those are just specialized cars for specialized purposes yeah. and whatnot. So the point is, uh, when you hit that 30%, it's it's uh, suddenly you've got the situation where 
All the myths go away. All the propaganda, all the misinformation, it goes away because everybody knows two or three people that have yep. an electric car and they can ask them real world, like, hey, how do, does, you know, I, I heard that uh, these cars only go 20 miles and run out of the side of the road or that these cars are really slow or that these cars burst into have, flame, you know, burst into flames or all. Yeah, whatever. There's all these these this propaganda out there uh, or that you can't drive them long distances and all this yep. stuff. Well, they you know, all that goes away once you reach 30 percent. And so it took like very little time for them to jump to, to 90 percent. And um, uh, Germany has just hit 30% uh, this month, I believe. And uh, Netherlands, I think, is also around 30%. So I guarantee you in like two to three years, those countries will be at 90% as well. The U.S., I think we're still like 4 or 5% adoption yeah. here. Here, so we're way behind. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I do believe part of that, it's not just the propaganda and misinformation and all that. I do believe part of it is our market segments are a little different. So because there's not like – you. I, you just can't go down to the dealership today and buy an electric, even if I wanted one. Like the Ford Lightning's not out, right? And pickups are a huge portion of sales in America, especially in mm -hmm. the southern states. And so I think it's, it's not just the misinformation campaigns and all that. <laughs> but no, I'm certainly not. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, point is that I was making with that is that, like I said, the manufacturers, they see this happening. And China, by the way, also is, oh, yeah. is massively headed towards Big EVs. Time. And that's mm -hmm. the biggest car market in the world right now. So the manufacturers have woke up around 2018, like their eyes were opened and they're like, okay, we've been sitting on our butts too long. We got to do something now and we got to build cars that are, are desirable. And I'm going to give you a great anecdote uh, that we heard from Ford because they actually told, they actually said this in an interview. So I'm not making this up. Uh, apparently Ford was working on a new compliance car and uh, back around 2018 or something like that. And uh, it was going to be like a little SUV. And again, the engineers were told, don't make it too desirable. Make it just a little bit frumpy. Uh, <laughs> don't make it too fast. Um, you know, uh, various things. Don't like make that. a Tesla. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, they, they wanted to sell like, you know. Uh, the minimum amount that minimum they needed amount, to. Minimum uh, amount that they needed to sell uh, to please, you know, the tree huggers and the uh, legislation that required them and whatnot. And then when they saw um, the Model 3 success and, and saw where Tesla was headed, they the executives went down to the design lab and they said, trash all this stuff. Uh, we need to build something that actually competes with Tesla. And the Mustang Mach-E was born and it came to market just earlier this year. And guess what? Every single one they make is sold. You cannot go to a yeah, dealership. There's a line to buy it. You, you got to get in line and wait months to get your Mach-E. They're building them as fast as they can. And... Um, and so, you know, they made so, so f funny, <laughs> funny tangent. So I actually have ordered, I pre-ordered both a Tesla Cybertruck and a uh, Ford Lightning. And so, and both those obviously are electric vehicles, right? And I don't even know if I'm going to keep either of them, but I've ordered them because just the aftermarket. Yeah. Because just because like, there's going to be this giant Hang line on, little message people. to my wife, Trish, if we don't keep the Tesla Cybertruck that I want, <laughs> we could always sell it. Huh? Sorry, that's that's yeah. for one audience member. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I simply pre-ordered them because I know exactly what David's talking about with the Mach-E is going to happen with the Ford Lightning. They're going to run out and the exactly. price is going to go I'm going to drive it for two or three months and then I'm going to sell it for 20000 more than I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that's my plan. So, uh, so, so now I've talked about where we've been. Uh, now I'm going to talk about where we're at now, which is um, all of the car companies. Well, I say all. There's a couple of scragglers like Toyota and Honda that I don't know what they're doing right now. But 
every other car company on the planet has completely shifted all of their future vehicles and product development, R&D, all of that is now like they understand that gas cars are legacy products. That's even what they're many times calling them now. Wow. And that they're they're going – General Motors has promised to be all electric by like 2030. That's not that far away, guys. That's only like eight years. And General Motors is saying they will not be and selling – And that's – by that time, so don't think for a minute that as we get closer to that, I mean, how then the, right. the, 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 when you go to the dealership, it's this going to be this pendulum, yeah. right? You know? Right. Within two to three years, um, you're going to go to a, it, you know, if it works out the way GM claims and they don't go out of business before then, um, within two to three years, you're going to go to a GM like a Chevrolet or a Cadillac <laughs> lot or whatever, and like half the cars in the lot are going to be electric, and um, you know, and it's not going to take too long, especially if they're going to be similar prices, which we're told there will be. Uh, that people are going to be like, well, why don't, you know, they're going to take the uh, electric one for a test drive, and then they're going to take the gas one for a test drive, and they're going to be like, man, this electric one hauls ass. This electric <laughs> one is cheaper to fuel. Uh, this electric one doesn't need any oil changes. and uh, doesn't smell bad. It does, you know, it's quiet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and all these things. And they're like, why would I buy the gas version? So it's not going to take too long for um, – <laughs> for customers to see that uh, you know the the old the old product is is just it's it's inferior and the shift is now see they're they're not market like you won't see Ford marketing their Mustang Mach-E or their F one fifty Lightning or any of those cars as uh, green yeah. or good for the planet they don't care it's they not just, in the marketing it's now it's just it's that just, it's a badass car it's a badass and that's car all they exactly are going to talk and about. that's where the marketing is going now all of the manufacturers have realized this and that's what I told them. Ten years ago, that stopped marketing. David, I know you don't hear this very often, but you were right. Everybody else is wrong. <laughs> I have just made David's day. So. Yep. <laughs> you know. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so the change is coming, and once once we get rid of the you know the stigma that electric cars are for environmentalists, which is already happening, um, all of that pushback that we had from the right will be gone. In fact, most of it's gone already. In fact, uh, it's interesting because uh, Fox News, for example, like three or four years ago, somebody flipped a switch. And it's funny, you can find a YouTube out there, video out there actually showing you like, uh, showing you dates of these, uh, you know, they have little video clips of them bashing Tesla, bashing Tesla, bashing Tesla, bash. And then one day, everything they said after that was positive, positive. about Tesla. Oh my God. So, so and, somewhere in the writer's you know, room or something. Or Rupert Murdoch yeah, or somebody. somebody said, okay, this is our new standard. Right. <laughs> and, and so anyway, like I said, once you take the environmentalism aspect away from the EV market and, and you just focus on these are superior products, like, you know, think of other products that have come out in the past and displaced um, a previous product. Like, I'll give you a good example, flat screen monitors. Yes, believe it or not, they're better for the environment than CRTs for a lot of reasons because they consume way less power. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there were uh, sometimes you'd see like a little anecdote on the side of a box or something saying it was eco-friendly or something, but that was never the advertising for the product. People just saw them and were like, "Hey, I like this better than yeah, the big right. bulky, yeah, you know, way smaller, CRT. takes up less room, my desk doesn't have to be so deep." <laughs> and so I, I think the environmental benefits are just going to be, quite honestly, a, a, a side a, bonus. A side effect, yeah, yeah, yeah. side bonus. Uh, not, it's not going to be the marketing for these cars going forward. So, like I said, a lot of that pol- political pushback is 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 already disappearing and will continue to disappear uh, over over the 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 next uh, several years. 
Um, so, you know, I said that Ford has gotten on the bandwagon. They got their Mach-E uh, already out. Uh, and then I was going to mention, you know, there's a few other uh, manufacturers that got on the bandwagon also. And uh, Volkswagen's one of them. They, uh, they started their EV push uh, years ago, and they're now bringing several EVs to market. They've got the ID3 and the ID4, both of which have been very successful. They're bringing out a whole bunch of new EVs uh, over the next few years. Um, Audi, which is part of the Volkswagen group, actually, they, they've got a few, same with Porsche, mm-hmm. Porsche's headed, you know, their Taycan is like their best selling car now, which is an all electric sports car. And again, that's part of the VW group, uh, Hyundai, actually Hyundai Kia, both they're, they're, for those that don't know, they're basically the same company with different brands. Um, they're also, uh, they, they just brought out their Ionic five, which is, uh, uh, proving to be a very hot seller, very capable car. Kia has got something real similar, I think. And then uh, on the very soon horizon, we're about to get the Rivian, uh, the F-150 Lightning, the Cadillac Lyric, and the Hummer EV. Those are all due to basically within months uh, to be on the market. Like I said, there's just a handful of vehicles on the market or about to be on the market that are actually designed as actual competitive products and not compliance cars. Right. (laughs) But that's about uh, to change. Yeah, so what we want to talk about now in the second half of this podcast is uh, where we're going in the future, how some of these manufacturers are going to get there. One of the big problems is the Osborne effect. And take GM and Ford as great examples. You know, right now, they just got the one or two so, vehicles. So you might take it just a second and explain what the Osborne effect is. Okay. so I was um, not aware either. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah, so uh, back in the 1980s, this company called Osborne was making little portable computers, little CPM portable computers. And they're notorious because they had just brought this computer to market. It was very successful. And then they announced that, like, oh, in six months, we're bringing a new model to market that is not only way better than the one that we're making now, but it's also going to be cheaper. And so, so everybody they, stopped everybody buying stopped it. buying it, and then they went out of business before they could bring the oh, new one to market. <laughs> I, I know so many and, people that really love old Osborne computers like that. It's <laughs> so sad. And so anyway, the man, uh, like GM, for example, they have to worry about the same thing because they're like, well, they're still dependent on uh, internal combustion engine sales to keep their company afloat. So they can't just go right out and tell all the general public, say, hey, guys, you know what? In a couple of years, like all these products that are on our lot are going to be obsolete. We're going to have these new. They'll shoot EVs. themselves in the foot, basically, right. if yeah. they do that. So they're walking. Yeah, nobody will buy a car until then. Right. By the way, speaking of that, my opinion is, is 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 anyone who buys a gas car starting basically a year ago forward who plans to who who doesn't plan to keep it for like the next ten years mm-hmm. is going to lose a pile of cash when they go to yeah. trade it in. So now is the worst time to buy a gas car, in my opinion. So before we go too farther into the future, I wonder if you guys would like take a step back and I'd like to talk about um, just a handful of the things we we had talked about before the podcast. Some of the misinformation or like myths about electric cars, <laughs> like I like some of that, like I've heard floating around. I was like, we oh, could I don't spend know, like an hour on just busting myths on that. So I was I mean, thinking we'll just like maybe a few, <laughs> maybe like three to five of these myths. So like one of the ones was my mechanic was like. He's, he's old school. He's libertarian. He's been doing this for years. Um, you know, he probably, you know, leans right wing, and that's why he has the suspicion. But 
his thing was, well, electric cars aren't safe to work on. If I work on an electric car, yeah. that battery is going to zap me and yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah, so there which, was like Tesla and Edison back in the they had this, the big <laughs> argument over AC versus DC. DC. I mean, it's like it's like come on. <laughs> I I would bust that myth real easily and say, look, hybrids have been on the market since like. 2000 or 1999 or yeah. something like that and they have the same high voltage systems in them even though they're not necessarily the primary driving motive force of the car yeah and that was a concern back then too and, and i've never i mean i'm not saying it's never happened but i've never heard of a mechanic being killed from working on a hybrid or and 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 the leaf and the tesla have been on the market for years and i haven't heard anybody yeah getting yeah i've heard the same the, thing about yeah. you know oh gosh in a car accident you know the firemen are going to get killed and electrocuted i've heard all these different stories and, and they're all yeah. they're all not true the cars are actually designed i mean like if that was true tesla wouldn't have a a, a five star <laughs> well, rating you know, and a the whole bunch of other things the right? battery pack in every ev and hybrid has a big disconnect that you can pull out assuming you can reach it i mean if the car's upside down or something that might be a problem and then the firemen know like they've been trained how to cut the high voltage lines mm -hmm. properly and they actually um, carry on their they, truck a tool yeah, to do that with yeah an insulated tool to do that with yeah uh, but you know generally speaking like when a mechanic works on a hybrid or an ev the very first thing if they're working on the drivetrain i mean it's one thing if they're replacing like a windshield or something yeah. right but if they're working on the drivetrain they go to the back and there's either a breaker or a big plug that you pull out that quite literally disconnects the battery from the car so there is no high voltage anywhere in yeah. the car and then they put that back when they're done if that mechanic can't learn how to do that I'd say he probably had bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Um, so I, I I have some some examples that are from my from my family, so I'm I'm probably going to be of other I, myths. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably so going to be ousted, and so next think, Thanksgiving's going to be very awkward. Or Christmas yeah, dinner is going to yeah. be difficult for you. But uh, but it's it's amazing to me, and 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 you know, I'm one of those people that I drive my big giant F150, mm -hmm. and I love my big F150, and uh, it is a gas. Up version, obviously, and, and hopefully that'll change at some point. Um, and I, so I like my big truck, but I also have an electric car. I have a Tesla Model X, which my wife drives most of the time. I'm lucky. Every now and then she lets me have it for a few days. <laughs> but, um, you know, our family members are, are mostly swing to one political uh, persuasion. And uh, so I, I'm constantly getting, you know, like ribbed on the the, the Tesla from, from various people. And so just a few, uh, I guess, you know, a week, week or so ago for Thanksgiving, um, you know, we went somewhere and uh, one of my family members, uh, so I said, you know, we might have to stop and, and charge the Tesla on the way home um, because I don't know if we have enough charge to get back. And he kind of smirked at me and I'm like, why are you smirking at me? You know, what's so funny? And he goes, well, you want, you're the one that wants the electric car. And, um, and so I'm like, well, hold on. What, what does that have to do with it? And he goes, well, if you did, if you had a gas car and I'm like, hold on. So your Mercedes doesn't ever have to stop at a gas station. <laughs> you know, like why the right. double standard? Like why, why is it a big deal that I have to stop and charge, but it's not a big deal when you have to stop and get gas. And then he sort of changed that into a, oh, well, it's a, it's a range thing. Right. And I'm like, okay, hold on. You know, I, um, I, it, 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 it gets, you know, 300 miles, or, you know, on a single on a charge, single charge. Like what, what's the problem here? So I just didn't charge it before I came over here and now I need to charge it just like you might have gas up. Right. I've been running late to something and it's like, oh shoot, I'm out of gas. Yeah. I forgot to get gas. Got to stop night. and get gas, you know? And, uh, and then the same family member, um, about a year ago did the same thing. Um, when we told him that we were going to buy a house on the lake, which is about uh, an hour drive. Um, from, from our current house. And, um, he goes, well, I guess you're gonna have to trade that Tesla in. And I'm like, why? And he goes, he goes, well, you're gonna be able to drive that thing down there, are you? And I'm like, uh, 
dude, I could go down to the lake and back like three times on a single charge. <laughs> all right. the way there and all the way back like three times on a single charge. And it's so it's amazed, amazing to me a lot of the, the myths that still hold true today that, that haven't been debunked. As a matter of fact, another family member along those same lines said to me um, again on the range thing, um, she said, um, uh, I forget exactly how she worded. Okay, well, it started with this. She's like, oh, she's like, I would never buy a, a, a Tesla because, um, or an electric car because they're just not fast enough. And so I'm like, well, let's go out and I'll take a <laughs> ride in mine. And so I took her down the street and, and, and I floored it. And ours is the slow Tesla, by the way. Right. We didn't buy the performance model. And the acceleration is unreal. It's unreal. And, you know, the car will do like 160 miles an hour or something like that. And so, so she was blown away. She could not... Uh, believe, but she had it in her head that they're all slow cars. They're all slow and they're all crap. And uh, and then she said to me, she said, "Well, I guess I guess you know when they get the range problem fixed, I'll, I'll <laughs> consider it." And so I said, "Well, what do you mean range problem?" And she says to me, she says, "Oh, well, you know they, they don't have as much range as, as gas cars." And I'm like, "We figured it out later on." Um, that the car she actually came to my house in, that the Tesla actually had more range than her gas car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, these 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 things are just continually... Uh, now, to, the, 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 to be fair, um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about EVs, but some of it is true or has been true. Has been true, sure. And uh, so a lot of the things that people used to complain about, you know, 10 years ago is just simply not true anymore. And uh, the road trip uh, thing is a perfect example. So when EVs first came out, it is absolutely true like if you had a Nissan Leaf back in like 2011, you could not drive it across country. Yeah. At least, you you maybe could, but it would be it would like be, be very difficult. it would be very difficult. <laughs> it might take you two weeks to make the trip, and it would be really because you'd have to keep stopping. You'd have to keep charge and, and find like, like a 110 volt outlet to plug it into overnight or whatever. And you know there was no fast charging infrastructure. Even Tesla didn't have um, a fast charging infrastructure in the early days. I mean, it took them years to get it built out, and so some of that. Even though it was true then, a lot of people think it's still true now. It's not. I've taken numerous road trips in both Tesla and non-Tesla EVs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, granted, I haven't driven across country, but I've driven, uh, you know, I think as much as five-hour drive uh, in my wife's Bolt, for example. We went from here to, like, Galveston. Uh, and I've gone to Austin four or five times, and I've gone to Houston several times. Uh, yeah, I, I told the uh, same this same family member I was talking about earlier. I told him I said, "Look, you know, I get in my car and I drive it just like you get in your gas car. I don't worry about the range. I don't worry about where I'm going. I just right. get in it and I go. And if I need to charge along the way, I find a Tesla charging station. They're everywhere, yeah. right? And and in ten and minutes, you can I'm, find them on your phone. Yeah, right? yeah. well, the, the, the nav system will tell yeah. you. You know, the car will even tell you yeah. where. Yeah. And, and I said, and and I'm, I stop it, and in ten minutes I'm back on the road again. And yeah. it's, it's like it's that's another myth too. By by the way, is I think it takes like three or four hours to charge a car. Yeah, not true. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many people who I've talked to about the charging thing, where they just don't get it. And I realized after I talked to them for a little while that they have this paradigm in their mind that the that, only place they ever fuel is at the is at the charging is station. that a, a charging station, yeah. a public charger, and they think I'm going to be standing there with my hand on the handle for like four hours or something like that. It took me a while to figure out that that's one per, what one person had in their mind. And when I finally asked them, like, do you think I'm going to drive this every day down to a charging station and for four hours and sit there and hold the handle like you do with your gas gas car? And he's like, well, yeah. 
you know, and I'm like, well, you have to hold it for the for the <laughs> electrons to go in. <laughs> and I'm like, how else will they? It will fall out. And you won't I'm be like, to... no, I plug it in at home when I get home, and I don't, don't even. We think don't have about any it. examples of yeah. something where it just will stick in like a wire or anything yeah. to put, yeah. have energy. So yeah, I'm like, no, I just plug it in when I get home, and I don't even think about it until the next day. And if I do need to charge on the go, I'll use a fast charger. Um, and that, on the road. you know, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking to me. Yeah, it's a little longer than a gas uh, fill up. I mean, it's usually going to be 10, 15, I think 20 minutes. Sometimes I've been at a fast charger. But, I mean, it's, you know, if I've been driving. And that, and for, that is, by the way, is changing rapidly. Yeah. With every iteration of the fast charger. It keeps getting faster. Faster and faster, faster. faster and faster. In, in 10 years, it will be just as fast as a yeah. regular old, yeah. if yeah. not sooner. But, yeah. you know, I don't even care because the only time I use a public fast charger is when I'm on a road trip. A road trip. Exactly. And I've usually been driving for two or three and hours And you're going to take already. a break and walk around, go That's to the bathroom, right. After all two or three hours, I'm ready to get out of the car and go to the bathroom and get something to eat. I don't mind that it takes 20 minutes. To, to get me <laughs> topped yeah. back up again, so that 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 that's a, a but but the yeah. but I think the point you just kind of glazed on it, and it's uh, um, it's really important to understand is that when you have an electric car, the entire paradigm of the gas station changes yeah. because you get home every night or or whenever, and as soon as you get out of the car, you plug it into the wall, which takes like three seconds. Three seconds, like mm-hmm. this is not a big deal. Like it literally takes three seconds. Plug it in, just like you plug your vacuum cleaner in, you know, right? right? Um, it's actually easier than your vacuum cleaner because you don't have to unwrap the cord, right? Yeah. Um, and then and then you just leave it. And then tomorrow when you get up to go it's to work. It's ready to go. It's fully charged. So you basically leave your house every single day I mean, for with me, a full tank of gas. It would be perfect <laughs> because I really just drive my car to and from work, you know, and I only do that three days a week. And then I, I come here and a handful of other places. I'm not... I'm not even driving to Dallas, which I totally could. Like, yeah. I'd have to, you know, charge yeah. there or something. But no, you wouldn't. So um, oh, I could, yeah, I could drive there and drive back on a single yeah, yeah, charge, yeah. no problem. Or or five or six yeah. times. Like my wife, like like this is this is another. Uh, it's, again, it's it's a paradigm shift. But my wife still hasn't completely broken the paradigm shift, and she like I would I would venture to say that like one out of ten times she parks her car in the in the garage that she plug it in. She always, she's like, she's like, well, it's still got like 270 miles of range. Right. Do I need to plug it in? And I'm like, well, because you have a full charge every day, but she doesn't seem to care. And so I would say that she drives her car and she drives about 30 miles to work every day. Um, and she plugs the car in like twice a week. Right. <laughs> you know, so I doesn't mean, even think about it. It doesn't even think about it, you know, but um, yeah. Okay. I have one more myth to bust and then we can, we can move on. Um, and that is the myth that electric cars aren't actually that much better for the environment. I've been hearing this for years. <laughs> that when Well, that, I hear all the time that they're actually worse, but yeah. that's a that's all Okay, other. so here's so what I, I it was well, a combination of things. It's it's the the foss the um the carbon footprint yeah. in building the the, the batteries vehicle, and all that building yeah. the batteries, then disposing of the batteries, and also that the the electric cars are actually coal powered because yeah. <laughs> when you plug in, you're using coal as your yeah. energy source, yeah. which is probably true in some states to some degree. But so and, take and it away. And even if it is, it's still better. <laughs> so David, take yeah, it away. Right. <laughs> okay. So I obviously have, have heard this argument. Hundreds of times. Ooh, boy, buckle uh, up. <laughs> and let me tell you how I deal with it. I used to try to get into arguments over the details of this type of thing, but it never really seems to help. And the problem is, like, 90% of the people that say this or have these concerns about the coal power or the batteries being bad for the environment or anything are not environmentalists. It's so ironic because I'm like, 
this, the people that say this kind of thing are the out there, the people rolling coal and all yeah. this kind of stuff. I was just about to say, that, the, the, the person that has told me that I know has a dually that rolls coal. So well, actually, the, the guy that said they're coal powered to me, his family is in the natural gas and oil business. Of course. Yeah. So anyway, so there's, there's, you know, when you realize that most of the people throwing these arguments out there aren't environmentalists to begin with, you realize that they're not really trying to make a case because they don't really care about the environment. Right. Uh, they're just, they're just saying to, it's not going to work anyway, so why bother? They're, right? they're trying to make it look bad. And, and again, this all stems from the whole environmental marketing that we've had for years going on and stuff. But um, I will say this. Um, obviously, the information's out there. You can look it up. Uh, EVs do, I, in many cases, consume a little bit more car or use emit a little bit more carbon during the production process. But over their lifespan, it's, it's night and day difference. And it doesn't even matter if they're powered by coal, which they almost never are, because uh, depending on where you live. I mean, here in Texas, you know, I would be closer to being able to say my car is wind or nuclear powered than coal powered because we hardly have any coal here in Texas. And, uh, <laughs> and so... But, you know, the funny thing is they always look at the – like I'll say, oh, well, my car doesn't have a tailpipe, but it's the it's the tailpipe is, is you know, like you're the, the power, it. You're moving it the power plant or whatever. Yeah. And the thing that they never realize is that that gasoline that they're putting in their car, it doesn't just emerge out of the ground as gasoline. I mean they've never seen one of these huge refineries. And it doesn't just emerge out of the ground at the gas station. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know – they're just they're just trying to compare the emissions from their tailpipe to the emissions of a coal plant, and I'm like, no, 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 no. If you want to do, be fair, you need to compare the emissions of your tailpipe and the refinery and the diesel truck that brought it to the gas station, right. and you know, uh, you know, all the the the, the things that happen. The, the full supply chain, yeah, right. So if you want to go down that road for EVs, you got to go down that road for gas too, and you'll always find that the EV is way cleaner. Uh, through through the life cycle of the energy production and everything, even if it is run on coal, <laughs> way cleaner. <laughs> and the information's out there. Like I said, you can go to numerous websites and read the the the, the, the actual data points and whatnot. As far as the batteries, I get that a lot too. Oh, the car, the batteries. You can't dispose gonna, of them. They're, yeah, you know. they're going to be littered all through the landfills, and it's going to leach into the environment and everything. And and I've always said, oh, and a lot of people think these batteries have to be replaced like every couple of years or some crazy thing like that, too. And and they generally should last the life of the car. Yeah. As a matter but, of fact, uh, most of the manufacturers, Tesla started this, I think, but uh, they warranty the, the battery for like way longer than the actual car so just yeah. to prove that this isn't a yeah. right. In fact, uh, Elon has said several times that the he, they're, they're going to be considered million mile batteries. Yeah. Uh, which you know, and even after they're done with the car, they'll probably wind up using them in energy storage. They're already starting mm -hmm. to do that uh, for off-grid storage for, or, or, or sorry, grid balancing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can, for example, use solar power, charge them up, and then use that power at night too for the yep. grid and stuff like that. Which, by the uh, way, um, and that we could do a whole podcast on that too. But that is a super good thing because it, I don't think people realize how complicated the power grid is and all the work that has to go into turning plants on and off, like all day long, every day, plants are spinning up and spinning down generators to keep up with demand but if mm -hmm. we had these battery banks in there yeah. then then all of a sudden now they don't have to spend those things back up because they can just keep the keep them running at a constant pace it's a really big yeah. deal it's beyond beyond the environmentalist <laughs> and any of that kind of stuff it's a really good thing for our, our grids yeah so these cars you know these batteries are going to spend i don't know 10 to 20 years in a car and then they're going to spend another 10 years or so in a probably an on off you know an energy facility of some kind and then they're going to be recycled and guess what you know, I've, I've made the case before. I'm like, you don't see a problem with, like, uh, catalytic converters filling up uh, 
uh, landfills, landfills do you? Because guess what? They're full of valuable minerals. They never make it to the landfill. They never make it there because people <laughs> want them. People steal them off cars just so they can take them down and get them recycled for the money because they have valuable metals in when them. When we moved into our house, the we had copper wire for the wiring in our house as the house was getting built outside and they stole it like twice mm-hmm. <laughs> um just like these big strips of copper and everything because it was just so valuable yeah, and people yeah. are desperate to like so steal these it and sell uh, it. ev batteries are full of all kinds of valuable metals lots of copper cobalt, cobalt. Uh, all these types of uh, things are in there that are highly desirable to recycle. So capitalism is quite simply going to solve the problem of EV battery recycling. Yeah. That will not be a problem. That will not, <laughs> not be an issue. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know. If, if, if we're done busting myths or if you've got anything else, I'll, I'll try to bust it. But uh, I like I said, we could I go have. on. I could go on for hours telling you all the myths that I've been accused or, or, or had to deal with in person or online from people when they find out I drive an EV. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so anyway, um, so again, talking about moving forward, I did, uh, I did say earlier, I was going to pick on the Democrats now. Okay. And, uh, so I am delighted. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the EV crowd is extremely unhappy with president Biden right now. Um, so uh, he actually has been on the news several times with the CEO of general motors, Mary Barra, uh, or Barra, however you say that, yeah. uh, saying how General Motors is leading the way in the EV revolution. They've made more EVs than anybody else. They've done more to revolutionize the EV world than anybody else. And um, he will not mention the word Tesla. Like, In fact, the reporters have tried to get him to say the word Tesla, and he won't say it. And it's it's ironic because GM right now, GM is not selling any EVs. And Tesla is selling like close to a million a year now at this point. And, <laughs> Wait, they don't sell the Bolt and the Volt? The Bolt, the Volt was discontinued two years ago. The Bolt is currently dis, it's on temporary halt because of the fire recall, and they're not making them. Oh, okay. And they haven't been. So, like, there are no Bolts on Chevrolet dealerships anywhere. Haven't been for, like, six months. Um, and, yeah, they've got all these ones coming out soon, but they're not selling any right now. And And Tesla, like, even historically speaking, Tesla has sold, like, an order of magnitude more EVs than General Motors has has sold. And again, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to jump on General Motors for where their position is, but to sit up there and say that they're leading the way, um, and and Biden uh, and his uh, his administration, it's like they don't want to admit that Tesla exists. And then the worst part is they're trying to create these new incentives for EVs, and they're trying to give more money to union built EVs in America. Of course. And which means that Tesla won't get either any incentives or they'll get less incentive because they're not unionized. Because they're not unionized, um, and uh, and so right now, if if the legislation passes as it is planned, uh, it heavily favors uh, GM and Ford, um, and and uh, and not uh, Tesla, even though they're the ones leading that really the charge, pave the way, and lead, right? Yeah, and and so um, yeah, a lot of the EV community is pretty upset with with uh, the Biden administration over this. And granted, we you know we're not upset over you know incentivizing EVs. We we think that's although I don't even think it's necessary anymore. I don't Tes- either. Tesla has not have it has not had any incentives on their vehicles for like. a Couple of years now, and, and, and they still sell they, everyone. You know they how make. many advertising dollars Tesla has spent? And it's <laughs> zero, zero in its entire company history. It has never spent a single dollar on an ad, so they don't need it. Yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing. In fact, that, and that, it, by the way, if Ford and Chevy and Toyota and all those other manufacturers had built a car that was comparable, they wouldn't have needed it either because it yep. would have flown off the shelf right. or flown off the lots. 
Yeah, and so right now, for example, like the Ford Mustang Mach-E, uh, which is a compelling car, but they actually are still getting the original Bush-era tax incentives because they haven't sold enough EVs to um, for them to phase out of their tax credits, where Tesla has been selling EVs for years now. So I think Ford is getting a competitive advantage for being a laggard. Yeah. Right? And which is... Strictly by democratic government <laughs> intervention, right? Like, so... Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying, yeah, that's, that, uh, that's another myth. We, we probably should have busted. I'll, I'll, I'll bust it real fast, but I want to make a point. And that is, um, so, because I think it's really, really important. People understand this, uh, but t- people are always saying, you know, oh, Tesla's only making a profit or they're only selling cars because of the tax credit. Right. Yeah. Right. And Tesla hasn't, you know, like they don't get the tax credit anymore. Yeah. They've sold enough cars. And so uh, the they point do I w- get carbon credits. They do get carbon credits, but uh, that's going away too. That's going to go away too. But what I want the point I want to make is. Um, the the way that those tax credits work for this for the for the audiences the way those tax credits work is that once the manufacturer sells a certain number of cars two hundred thousand two hundred thousand cars I didn't know the number good so to, once they sell two hundred thousand cars they no longer qualify for the tax credit so when when a customer goes in to buy a, the two hundred thousand and one Tesla car they're done they're done there's no tax credit for that car and since General Motors who quotes you remember they just said that they are leading the way and they've sold so many cars. Them and the other manufacturers still get those credits because well, they GM have hasn't. Them. Okay, they well, did pass their. They're the only other okay. company that's passed the two hundred thousand mark. Got it. So, so still, point still the same, and that is that the these manufacturers are still getting these tax credits, and Tesla's not. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yet, ironically, Tesla is still selling you know ten to one or twenty to one compared to the other yeah. manufacturers because they're making desirable exactly EVs right and. And whatnot, and uh, and and Tesla invested in the necessary factories and whatnot to get the battery supply chains, which they had to do years ago. Mm-hmm. These other car companies are scrambling right now because they're like, even if they had the ability to start rolling out all of their cars tomorrow as EVs, they don't have the battery supply chain to be able to. to in fact, that's the reason the Bolt is off the market because they fixed the problem with the batteries, but they're trying to replace all the batteries in the existing cars that they are under the recall. Them. And so they don't have enough batteries to make yeah. cars and fix the old ones that have the recall. And so um, that's just a perfect example of how they the battery supply chain is is so uh, weak for these other companies. Where Tesla they recognized this years ago and they invested in gigafactories, not, not just the gigafactories, <laughs> but they also invested in you know the companies that mine the minerals, oh, right, the right. lithium, and all that kind of stuff that they needed. And all these other car companies just kept blowing it off for years and didn't get you know their ducks in a row, so to speak. Yeah. And so um, that's going to be a, an issue going forward <laughs> yeah. as well. So where where are you on your list? Um, I'm I'm done. With okay, that. you're done. So, yeah. so I want to. I thought you were. So I want to ask you a question, and it's really the the title of the podcast. Is it game over for legacy car companies? Um, for some of them, it is, and uh, I because I personally believe that in 10 years, the car market is going to have a very different set of brand names than it has today. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them will still be there, I think, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. So uh, Sandy Monroe, who I highly respect, uh, recently did a video about this, uh, talking about this exact topic, uh, which, you know, what the what he thought the car market would look like in, like, I think 10 years. And um, he put up a pie chart on the uh, screen, and I think uh, maybe we can find this. For, I'll, I'll for find those. it. I'll credit Sam. But I, I want to say it was about 25% of the car market uh, would be Tesla, hmm. which is insane. I mean, that's, you know, um, even General Motors today is is only like, I want to say like 18% or 20%. Anyway, t- Tesla is going to be bigger than General Motors sales-wise uh, by 2030. 
And uh, it appears the market believes that based on Tesla's stock price. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's also saying a number of Chinese manufacturers are about to start bringing in a ton of EVs to our market from names we've never heard of. And uh, he thinks that'll be the other 25% of the market will be Chinese electric vehicles because they have already been making tons of EVs in China for years. Yeah. All they got to uh, do is Americanize them and ship them over. Yeah. There. And, uh, you know, and, and, and we, they may, he talked about how the American manufacturers blew off like the Japanese imports back in like the seventies or mm -hmm. whatever. And the next thing you know, uh, they're overtaking the, <laughs> the car market. Um, and then the Korean companies like Kia and, and, and Hyundai have come in and also made a, a big impact. Those were blown off, too, as junk cars back in the 90s. Yep. And here they are uh, making good cars. And, and uh, Sandy believes that uh, the Chinese companies are going to come in big time. I remember and, Hyundai's uh, being considered pieces of crap. Yeah. Right? It was just... Well, they, they kind of were junk cars yeah. when they first came out. But it didn't take long for them to make them better. Yeah. They, they adapt yeah. to the market and, and change things, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah. Toyota is the one that I'm thinking is going to be hit the hardest because they're like the number one car manufacturer today in the world. And I think uh, because they've waited so long pushing their hydrogen agenda, which is doomed to fail in my opinion, um, I think that they've waited so long that they're, they're way behind even Ford and, and, and General Motors. Ford and General Motors, they they Which turned... is weird because the Toyota Prius was known as this great I know. hybrid it's, car. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost a paradox. It, it's mind-blowing that Toyota got themselves in this situation. Yeah, they weird. were the leaders of electrification for decades. Yeah. and, uh, and I mean, uh, yeah. you sold us our first hybrid car, <laughs> yeah. like a used Toyota Prius that my wife, she loved it and drove it around for years. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Toyota is in big trouble because, uh, like I said, GM and Ford, at least they recognized back in 2018, we need to start sh turning the ship now. You know, the Titanic takes a little while to turn. Mm -hmm. They started turning it back in 2018. Toyota has yet to figure out that they need to start, or at least they haven't admitted publicly that they've yeah. started turning yeah. the ship. And so I think Toyota is going to either be out of business or they're at minimum, they're, they're not going to be number one anymore. Well, they're going to be relegated. I don't think any of these car companies were, are going to go out of business because the... I, it, uh, they're almost uh, too big to fail, but here's what I think. I think they will become so irrelevant that it just won't. They might. Well, that's what I'm saying. Toyota is going to be at minimum. They're going to be relegated to a, a you know a small yeah. part of the market. Um, actually, I think there's a good chance General Motors and Ford and Chrysler could fail like completely because this transition going forward is going to be very difficult. I talked earlier about the tightrope they've got to walk right now between keeping their internal combustion vehicles selling while at the same time trying to supply these newer better cars because they can't they can't flip flick the switch like this it has to be a slow transition yep. if they if it goes too fast they won't be able to supply enough which cars. again tesla it's like well we have no gas cars right. like our only income is this yeah. this yeah. electric vehicle so well not really so tesla that's another thing people forget always forget about tesla is that Electric cars is just one of their businesses, right? Well, that's yeah. true. You know, they're yeah. making solar panels yeah. and, and all these Battery. other things. That's a good point. Stored. Yes. Yeah. And so. so, yeah, these manufacturers, they have a big tightrope to walk for the next five to ten years. And if they don't walk it right, um, they're going to go out of business before they can switch their vehicles over to electric. Yeah, and, and they might, thing that's gonna they happen, might ground under the weight of their existing yeah. um, business. So Mike brought up a good point earlier about um, the – market value of like buying a, an internal combustion engine car today. And I don't know, my estimate might be a little bit more conservative than Mike's. Uh, I think if you buy one today, it might still be worth something five years from now. That's probably about the limit though. Um, and, and part of the reason is because there's just not going to be enough supply of 
of EVs. And and don't get me wrong, just like in Norway, they still got tons of gas cars on the road, even though yeah. nobody's buying them. We're talking right. about new car sales. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Nobody's buying them, but there's going to be, a, the, you know, they're going to have those gas cars on the road for 20 more years until they, they wear out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and people, you know, like like the used car market is going to continue yeah. to recycle them and they're going to get yeah. cheaper and cheaper. And a lot of people are going to buy them because they're going to become so dirt cheap. Yeah, you know, exactly. And But uh, I want to give an example out there. Uh, you know, I used to work at a, a computer store where we, um, uh, back around 2000 to 2005, and, you know, one of the things that we did was, you know, we took trade-ins because we sold a lot of used equipment and we sold a lot of new equipment. Um, so, you know, this was a privately owned uh, computer store. It's not like you're, you know, chains, Best Buy or any of that kind of stuff. It was a local store here in DFW and I was the service manager. I, I, I got stories I could tell about that some <laughs> other day. But the one thing that's relevant is I, I got to saw, see how trade-ins uh, were Give you an example. So some guy uh, would come in there and um, buy like a uh, top of the line CRT monitor in like 2000. And then he'd bring it back in like 2004 to trade it back in. And at this point, we're like literally paying like $10 trade in for a CRT right. of any kind because LCDs had taken over the market. Yeah. And, during it, that and time. it flipped like that. And so this guy, he spent like three or $400 on a CRT and he brings it in. He's like, well, I want to trade this in. And I'm like, okay, you can have, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. And then he'd be all angry. I spent $400 on this top-of-the-line CRT. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, dude, but look, we're selling the same exact thing on the shelf over there for 20 bucks. How am I supposed to give you you know, $200 trade-in or whatever on something I'm going to sell for 20 bucks? Nobody wants these anymore. And he didn't see the market change coming. And there's going to be people, I guarantee you, they're going to go out yes. and they're going to buy an eighty dollars or $100,000 internal combustion engine vehicle here maybe in – you know, the next year or two, thinking they got the top of the line thing, and then they're going to drive it for three or four years, and they're going to go to trade it in, and the dealers can be like, oh, "I'll give you ten grand for it, yeah. five grand yeah. for it, whatever." And he's because nobody's going to lose his mind, yeah. Because it's like he, oh, this and, is a luxury car, right? And and that is exactly what is coming. I don't know exactly when that's coming. I could be off on the dates, but that scenario is coming because. Once it, all it, these uh, other manufacturers start dumping the EVs, man, I, I think the LCD monitor example of that is is like the, it's a fantastic comparison because I mean I went through that when I, when I was doing um, running a, an IT shop for a big Fortune 500 company, and it's like literally we went from having you know like everybody in the in the entire company had a CRT monitor to nobody having one in less than a year. And, you know, that just because the price, the prices of those monitors just hit a price point where it was just, yeah. just let's just replace them all. You know, let's and, be done with it. And for those that, that might not, I should have mentioned this earlier, um, just to give you an idea of where Tesla's at right now. And by the way, I'm not trying to shill Tesla or whatever. I don't even own one. I used to own a Tesla. I actually don't own one anymore. Oh, so I guess your uh, 8-bit guy starter pack yeah. is wrong. Um, <laughs> I still have a Chevy Volt. Let's um, <laughs> um, contact that guy on Reddit and have, have him update it. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the reason the, I sold my Tesla was was totally for financial reasons. Uh, you know, it's a long story, but um, but you know, I'm not opposed to having another one, for example. But just so you know where Tesla's at right now, they're still selling every car they can make. They're trying to make them as fast as possible, and they just literally can't make enough yeah. to fill the demand. And they have. A factory in Fremont, a factory in Shanghai that are both operating at maximum capacity, still can't meet the demand. They're about to open, like literally, I think next month or the month after, this huge factory down here in Austin that is, it if is, you haven't seen it. It is unbelievable. It is, you know, it, uh, we've got a General Motors factory here in Arlington that's just a few miles from here. So that GM factory looks like a baby factory compared to the one down here in Austin, you know. 
And um, and then they've got that one in Berlin that they're about to open, and it's just, just about as big. And they're going to be pumping out the Cybertruck and the Model Y and this new. We haven't. They've been real tight lipped about it, but some twenty five thousand dollar hatchback car of some kind probably that's going to be you know targeting the cheaper end of the the EV market, and you know they're going to be making millions and millions of cars and 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 I guarantee you it's going to be the same problem they're still not going to be able to make them fast enough and this is what these other car manufacturers they see this right <laughs> you know so for those of you that don't think that Tesla's growing that fast you know when I said earlier that they would gobble up all of GM and Ford's business in 10 years I'm not kidding they're expanding at a rate and I guarantee you, as soon as they're done with those factories, they're probably going to break ground on a new. They've already been talking about breaking ground on a new factory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and yeah. and what people also don't seem to understand, and I don't know how they're doing it, by the way. I mean, I think you know, people always. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say that Elon Musk he doesn't actually know how to do anything. He's not very intelligent. <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, but let me tell you something. You know, they opened that factory in Shanghai, um, and and. People like analysts were saying it was going to take them two to three years to open yep, that factory. It was less than a year. It was nine nine and a half months, I think, that they, wow. that they from from the day that they broke the the first shovel, you know, on the ground the to the time a car out. come off the assembly line. You know, that's unbelievable. And they're going to continue <laughs> to make efficiency. more and more yep. factories. They're going to continue to create new models of vehicles. To, to, you know, address each segment of the auto market. And uh, and like I said, uh, the the the, the the legacy car manufacturers, they see this, and they know, uh, and they're scared. And uh, they you know, uh, I, I will bet you money. I will bet you. I, I, I'll bet $500. So there's no way to prove it, but I, that, <laughs> you don't know. You, you go to these, you know, you see the outward facing. The only thing you ever see from, like, Ford or GM or any company, really, no matter who you work for, you only see the, what the, the, the story that they want you to hear, right? right? That's what their press releases are all. But I, I've right. been in plenty of boardrooms being a business executive over, over the years. I've been at lots of big companies, boardrooms, and listen to them. And I, I know when companies are lying and when they're not and how they go about it. Um, and so I guarantee you. And the Ford and Chevy boardrooms, there are there are these statements have been made. We need a Tesla. We need a right. right. We have to compete with that. They are going to kick our asses. There's all kinds of things being said like that in those boardrooms that you're not hearing. Guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So, and it's funny as a consumer, the, you know, like your average consumer, and especially in this country, in the U.S. They're not seeing this yet. And again, the reason is because these manufacturers, they keep advertising their gas cars or whatever because they have to keep selling those. Right. And even yeah. though they know that's a legacy product, they're not exactly – I mean, us people that follow the market on this stuff, we know. We see it. We see it coming. Right. But the average Joe out there driving their Chevy – They just see you know, that whatever. these are the cars that are coming off the lot. And yeah. That's what's yeah. advertised. And, and, and again, and, back to the whole what's going on in the boardrooms, not what's happening on the on the, the, the outward-facing stuff. I mean, they're going to hype their cars. They're going to tell you how great their, right. their gas car is because they have to keep selling it. They don't have anything else to sell you. And, but you watch. You mark my words. As soon as those cars come mm -hmm. out, as soon as they get to the place where they feel like, okay, we can cannibalize that old business now. Sure. They're going to start telling you how crappy their old cars are. Yeah. You watch. You mark my words. Absolutely. So <clears throat> I have I have a quick question maybe you guys can answer. Um, given where the market is now, if somebody's buying a car today and they want to buy an electric car, whether you know brand new or s slightly used or something – what would you recommend? Like, <laughs> well, I'm hearing I, a lot. I of, think we probably have different opinions on it, but yeah, I, well, that's great. <laughs> like, I'm hearing a lot of Tesla. 
Um, you know, you mentioned some of the other cars like the Nissan Leaf, but uh, that's not that's not out anymore. It is. You can it still is. Buy one. You can still buy them. We mentioned the Volt. Uh, maybe that's the one I was thinking of. But what do you what do you recommend for people? Well, that typically, want- I would listen to see kind of what their needs are and what their budget is. That's going to be a big one. If you can afford a Tesla. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely the or or one of the Tesla competitors like the Mustang Mach E or uh, New Rivian or Porsche Taycan or something like that. Sure, you know, great if you can afford that. uh, That's the way to go, and those vehicles are going to hold their value really, really Really well. Really well. Now, uh, these our our Tesla, by the way, um, because we were looking into this because my wife really likes the new Tesla because it's got the the new dash and all that. And our Tesla is worth almost to the penny what we paid for it two two years ago. Wow. I mean, so so we could – the problem is you can't get a new one, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Now, some of these older compliance cars I don't necessarily recommend. I'll give you a great example. I still own a Fiat 500e. We don't drive it very often. I drive it once a month. Um, I paid almost nothing for that car a few years ago, although right now it's actually worth more than I paid for it because of the crazy used car market. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that car, for example, I do actually I kind of sometimes think I maybe I ought to sell it while I can because they only made a few thousand of those and they haven't made them in years. And uh, the like it's like if it if something goes wrong with it, like this part of the drivetrain, I may not be able to get it fixed because it's out of warranty now. So they have no obligation right. to to fix it for me, and, and and I know the car companies like, oh well, they have to supply parts for like ten years or whatever, but that doesn't mean they don't they can't gouge you some like charge me ten times what the car is yeah. worth, yeah, to, to so get that you'll repair. never buy one, yeah, right, and and so um, so yeah, I mean, I would worry, I would I would I would hesitate to tell anybody to buy one of those compliance cars that were only made in token numbers. Now Nissan Leaf, they they made like. Hundreds of thousands of those, so you're always going to be able to get parts for them. Um, you know, Chevy Volt. Uh, you know, good. Those are you know they they've proven to be pretty reliable vehicles. Um, you know, okay. the resale value is terrible on them, be, be just for various reasons. But um, you know, but that's kind of good though because it usually means they're fairly affordable. I mean, I bought my daughter a Chevy Volt for when she went off to college, a used one, a 2019, a used one mm-hmm. for um, fourteen thousand dollars. Wow. Course, actually, it's worth about twenty four thousand now because of the over the last year, the used car market has gone bonkers. Through the, but right. point is, it was a pretty uh, inexpensive car um, at the time for almost a brand new freaking car because the the resale value on them is so bad. And I think the reason the resale value is so bad on them is because they quit making them, and everybody's look you know everybody who wants an EV wants a Tesla or they want, they want one the of newest these, thing, these newer things, right? So, um, like I said, uh, any any of the old plug-in hybrids or the old. EVs that have like less than 100 miles of range, those are, you know, not selling very well anymore. Not to say that they don't work for a lot of people if they have a, yep. you know, commute or a budget that fits that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer it a little bit different than David. Okay. Um, so, um, and I think it's a great question. Um, people... Well, it's, it's pertinent to me because uh, my son crashed our, our old oh, Honda Accord. Oh, that's right. I saw that so, on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. That's so a pod- we need to do a podcast about Facebook. Um, oh, definitely. So, so, but uh, we, need a, we need a vehicle. And so that now's my opportunity to, to get something. But. Yeah. So, um, you know, look, if you just want to save money, if, mm-hmm. if all you're interested in is just being affordable and saving money, um, then, then, then my answer would be very similar to David's. It's hey, yeah, you need to, you know, find a, a Nissan Leaf or something Chevy like Volt. that. Yeah. Um, if, however, you think about 
long-term value and and you're you know you plan to keep this car for a while um then then i personally can't recommend anything other than the tesla i just can't i'd get a model 3 or a model y um and call it a day because that car is going to be it's going to hold its value it's going to be worth a, a lot of money in a few years um where i think those other cars are going to lose value much quicker um and then the thing that we didn't talk about i mean we talked a lot about just the fact that you know the ev drivetrains and you know the, the cars are better in that way Tesla has like everybody's ass whipped and pretty much all of the other areas of the car too. Like the comfort of the car is just like, I'm like sitting in a Tesla, like those seats are just like ridiculously comfortable. Right. Um, the technology that's in the Tesla beyond the electrification portion of it is like, they're just blowing everybody else away. I mean, go sit in a, go sit in a, a leaf and then go sit in the Tesla and, and just look at yeah. the dash. I mean, it's like night and day, like the, and yeah. how responsive the screens are when you like, when you, when you, you know, swipe around on the maps and stuff. Um, and we, we didn't even get to the point where we talked about this, the self-driving and all those features that are right. in those cars. You know, a lot of people can, yeah. you know, bitch about the, the fact that they, they don't think that Tesla's really there with autopilot. I own one and I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, you know, having owned the model three, yeah. Um, the infotainment system that Tesla it's has ridiculous. It's so good. It's it's funny because you know people gripe and complain and say, oh well, it doesn't support Apple CarPlay or Android. You Auto. don't need it. You, you and who wants that's Apple exactly CarPlay? what I've said. <laughs> Tesla is the only manufacturer right now that has an infotainment system that is so good that you just you won't miss yeah. not having Apple CarPlay or yeah. Android I Auto. I have to tell you, I'm glad you brought that up because when we bought our Model X a couple of years ago. Um, I was when I walked into the Tesla dealership. I said, "Does it support CarPlay?" And they said, "No." And I'm like, "Well, that sucks." But let me tell you something. After having the car for two years, I wish my F150 had the Tesla system yeah. in it, and I didn't have to use CarPlay. Yep, <laughs> plugging know? my phone in or being dependent upon my phone in order to get the, the displays up there and everything and all that is it's clunky. And like Tesla's is all integrated and it works so well. It just and it's constantly being updated. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's unlike a legacy car manufacturer where you get what you get when you buy it, and ten years later it's exactly the same. They're constantly doing software updates. Yeah, Uh, and then Tesla's done another thing. They've put their money where their mouth is, and they've really kind of 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 proved some things. You know, like. Elon said when they first built the car that, you know, that it was going to have full self-driving. And then some people said, oh, well, there's no way that computer that's in the car is ever going to f- support full self-driving. And so, you know what Elon has done? And well, I say Elon, Tesla has done. Um, every single time they upgrade the software package for the full self-driving system that requires a better computer, they just replace everybody's computers for free. Wow. <laughs> Just so. just to be clear to our audience, we do not currently get any sponsorship from Tesla. We do not. Although it would I will be fantastic I, if we did for this. You know what? I, I'm glad you said that, Craig, because I always want to make sure that I'm always above board on everything. Right. I do own Tesla stock. I, I, so okay. I want people to know that in full transparency. I do not. I, I do right. own Tesla stock, um, but but that's not the reason I'm saying that. Actually, I bought Tesla stock because I believe in the company. I actually bought Tesla stock after I bought my first Tesla. I'm like, holy crap! This car is changing the world. I'm going to buy that stock. It wasn't the other way around. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. And, and uh, Tesla has everyone beat on efficiency, except for maybe Hyundai. Um, they have everyone beat on efficiency because everyone else in order. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Sorry. I'm so, sorry. I, I want to finish. So the, we, did, we talked about the, um, don't forget your point. We, uh, we talked about all the, 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 again, the electrification stuff, but the, right. another huge feature that the Tesla has that I think blows everybody else away. And this may not last, but Tesla has the best charging network. Period, hands down. They're, they're fast chargers, or you know, they get, now with especially with the V3 chargers, you can charge the car like to 100 miles in like 
what is it, five minutes or something like that now? It's wow. like ridiculous. Um, and you're not going to find that with, with you know, Nissan Leaf. You're going to have to go to, a, like, a, what do you call it, a... Uh, Oh, there's EV Go, like Go, America, and some of those other ones. It's which are fine. You're a little bit wrong on that. I'm though. not either. Uh, um, <laughs> believe it or not, there are some cars out there that can charge faster than Tesla. Right, but they don't have the network built out. Right, that's the point. That's, that's the point. I'm, and I said, I, I I said that at the very beginning. The first thing I said did, was, I heard him. it may change. Yeah, but right now Tesla has the best network. Period. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, yeah, so uh, Tesla has, uh, because of their efficiency, they have they need less batteries in their car to get the same range yeah. as other man. Other manufacturers are having to put twenty to thirty percent more batteries in their cars to match Tesla's range uh, because they don't have the efficiency yet. Now, I don't say they won't get there yeah, eventually. And again, they'll, they'll yeah they'll get uh, there eventually. But uh, yeah, that that's one area where Tesla definitely has them all beat. And um, and Tesla is continuing to innovate in the battery uh, world yeah. as well. You know, another thing that Tesla did, um, and and I swear I'm going to sound like the people are going to blast me in the comments. I hear it now, like Demarcus Tesla shill. Why do you read the comments? Mike? I know That's I should silly. never read the comments. Don't ever read. Uh, them. Never read the comments. But um, so Sandy Monroe, David talked about him earlier. He does uh, what, what his main business is. He tears cars down and sells the secrets to other manufacturers and stuff like yeah. that, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the, he's got a great video on tearing down one of the Teslas, and I forget which one it is. It's I think it's the maybe the Model 3. But um, he talks about how when when you take the... the uh, Tesla has like one pump in the front of their car that does like all of these different yeah, things. Octavalve. Octavalve, that's yeah. it, right. <laughs> it does all these different things. And so like, uh, uh, like the Mach-E, for example, has several pumps. And that's where Tesla gets a lot of their efficiency. And that's because the legacy automakers still have multiple different departments that have to make all these different parts and then they mm. integrate them at the end. And Tesla designs it all integrated from day one and then just builds this electric car, right? Yep. So part of the reason that they don't get the same efficiency is because they haven't made that step yet. Now, don't get me wrong. I guarantee you within the next few years, you're going to start seeing Ford and, and all these other manufacturers produce Doing cars. the same thing. Same way, right? But It's but, a little like the Apple hardware software all working yeah, together. Model yeah, exactly. And, yeah. So they'll get there. It, it'll happen. But that's that's another thing Tesla has. The, the advantage they have is this, the highly tight integration of every component in the car. Um, and also, Tesla was one of the first two to. Um, uh, they they decided, hey, you know what we can do? We can. Uh, they ran this. What do they call that cable that goes? You, you probably know off the top of your head that goes from the front of the car to the back of the car. Um, so Tesla designed a. Um, so rather than having um, like all of these different cable harnesses that go from one end of the car to the other, I wish I could remember what the name of that cable is. I don't know. They developed this really super flat cable. Put on, like, put on the screen when you do. I will. Post. <laughs> it, and it goes from the front of the car to the back of the car, and it carries into all the the stuff. And they reduced the weight of the car by I forget how many pounds or whatever. But again, the same thing that full integration end to end that that the other legacy car manufacturers haven't haven't gotten to yet. I'll, I'll post a picture of that on the yeah. on the on the podcast. And of course, they use a, a entirely different like they use like Ethernet, yeah, TCP/IP and whatnot in their cars for their their network chains. And uh, the other manufacturers are still using uh, OBD2, mm -hmm. which we talked about in a previous podcast. yeah, because that's like what their gas network. cars use. Yeah. And you know they just they want to try to keep stuff as compatible as possible, mm -hmm. and it's harder for them to move away from that uh, tesla didn't have any yeah uh, it, legacy to worry about yeah, yeah they just start with you know it's like I, I used to joke with uh with an old boss of mine it's like uh, it, well i'll just tell you because they're out of business we used to work for a company called pier one imports um and uh, I, I ran their it department and um so uh the the cio and me previous cio and me uh years ago was like if if, if the ceo of the company had asked us to start pier one from ground up 
we wouldn't have gone out and bought a built a big data center and bought a mainframe and a right. tape silo and all that, right? We would have built it all on cloud technologies from day one, right? So that legacy stuff really hurts a company and holds it, it every time. And yeah. like the company I work for, which I still work for, so I won't mention their name, but you know, we're only eleven years old, but we have some legacy stuff that's like still a struggle. I mean, we're a really young company by that standard. Yeah. So these yeah. These upstarts like Tesla and, you know... Huge Edward, advantage. Yeah, yeah. just, yeah. you know, that's why they can change the, the industry so much. They, they don't have all this old stuff that they have to keep maintaining. Yeah, and, you know, to go along with, with that, um, you know, like when GM, for example, comes out with a new car, a, a gas car, right? Um, they're able to share a surprising number of parts with the existing yes. cars that they already make. Right. And when they come out with an electric car, that's kind of one of the reasons why it's been so difficult for them to be profitable with them is because they have to, like, most of those parts don't work anymore, right? So they have to engineer new things yeah. for the car, and then only that one car uses it, so you don't have the economies of scale of the, all the shared parts between all these these cars. And that's been something that's been holding back uh, their EV programs as well. Because um, be they can have tons of factories out there, but none of these factories make those make parts. Make those parts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're making pistons for a uh, for a for an engine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just that. I mean, even you know, if you open the hood, I mean, even like the cooling systems and the air conditioning systems, because those all have to be run on electric instead of the traditional way, and then instead of run on um, you know the, the, and... the braking systems and all that kind of stuff is is different in uh, in EVs, and um, so they have to have a lot of custom parts that are not shared with anything else. Or historically speaking, that'll change. Right. That'll all future. change. Yeah. I mean, Tesla is well, sharing a ton of parts, like between the Model Three and Model Y. I think I heard somewhere it's like seventy percent of the parts yeah. are the same. You know, and so eventually the other manufacturers will get there too. But that's been well. And eventually, let's be honest. I mean, this is we're not trying to say that that I mean Tesla's like completely a genius in this area. I mean, they are, but 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 not completely because, look, in, in 20 or 30 or 40 years from now, Tesla will be facing these same problems. Yep. When, when the new technologies come along and yeah. now they're still, you know, like times yeah. change, the technologies change. When the hydrogen cars, hydrogen cars finally take That's off. never going to happen. <laughs> I don't believe that for it's a, always. I've been a, hearing that for years. It's like, always 10 years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And 10 years from now, it'll still be 10 years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm, I will say this. You know what I think the whole thing with hydrogen is? Okay. The reason that these manufacturers continue to push it. They're trying to figure out a way to reinvent the gas station and the oil industry and all that supply chain. Because, look, what did, what did companies, like we talked about Kodak at the very beginning of this, right? Kodak's real business was selling the consumables, right? right. HP's real business is selling you ink. Right. <laughs> you know, for their printers, yeah. right? right? And so. Um, we'll give you the gun for cheap. But yeah, we'll tell yeah, you yeah. So the whole idea with hydrogen is to recreate a consumable market that we don't right. actually need. That's my opinion. That's really interesting because it's like the way I it is now. That, we have uh, our existing electric grid and we just charge it home. Yeah, yeah. We don't need all this nonsense. Right. I think that certainly plays a big role in it. And I think the uh, fossil fuel companies have also been a big um, influence in that because they feel like, oh, well, if everyone goes to electric, uh, we're going to be relegated down to, you know, the only thing people will use oil for is like making plastics and other industrial stuff. We won't have transportation fuel anymore. Yeah. But yeah. if people switch to hydrogen, well, we can supply them the hydrogen using the same channels we already have. Oh, we already have. We already exactly. have so. That's why I think that's what that's what that's all about. Wow. And, and, it, and it's it's going to go nowhere. Um, and, you know, that's the same thing. Like the, the, the gas company, like natural gas companies, they don't want to just be the manufacturing you know uh, sorry they don't want to be the uh energy what do you call it i just lost my brain um 
the uh, generation. They don't want to just be relegated to being the the, gen the generation plants, right? We we power the the generation plants. They want to make sure that they're selling you this stuff everywhere. That's why they here's, tried for a long time to make natural gas cars. Here's the bottom line for why hydrogen's going to fail, and this is what I've been saying for ten years now. In right now, like there are some hydrogen cars you can buy, they're way more expensive than a gas car, and the fuel is way more expensive than gasoline. So from a consumer standpoint, if you're trying to tell somebody, hey, guys, who, I mean, who's your customer, right? The only customers out there are going to be people who are driving what? Gasoline cars. Right. Now, you're going to tell them, okay, you're going to come. you got your gasoline car. You're going to trade that in. We're going to sell you this hydrogen car. Now, you still have to go to a gas station just like you do with your gasoline you can't, car. You can't fill up your hydrogen tank at home. At home, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're still going to have to go to a gas station, which, by the way, that hydrogen is going to cost like 10 times what your, your, your gasoline costs. And the only benefit this car is going to offer you is that it's good for the environment. Yeah. So right. I, uh, I watched no, a video. There's no added convenience. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no added benefits like there are with EVs. They're not particularly fast. They're not uh, particularly convenient to drive. Um, there's no real selling benefit to a, a hydrogen car over a gasoline car other than it's green. And yeah. that is just not going to be a mass market. Yeah. Product. I, uh, I watched yeah. a video. I don't know if you guys have seen it from Diana Cowern. She's a physics girl and I love her videos and she's a great girl. And, and, and I hate to say this, she got this one completely wrong. Um, but she, um, she, and it was all sponsored. It was all sponsored by Toyota, I think. Probably. And um, anyway, so they she did this whole big video, like two series, two videos on it, I think. Um, and it was all about how great hydrogen cars are and how, you know, they're investing all this money in the network and the supply chain and, and all these things. And Toyota's making the next, you know, their their car is the future. And the electric, right. electric is going to be fine, but this is really the, the right way to go. It's kind of how I summed up her video. Maybe, I, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but she spent the entire two videos telling you about how great hydrogen was and all the the conveniences of it works just like you know you go to the gas station and all that and and you and you and and you can even have your hydrogen delivered to your house and and all of these different things but the thing that I that bothered me about her video and the stance that she took was that she completely ignored the conveniences of electric cars right it's like like yes those those things are all going to be easy and and no big deal but electric is even easier you know, it's like, it's like, it was, it was, it's that whole misinformation campaign, you know, you talked about in the beginning. It's like, it's like, we'll just leave out these other facts over here. Don't look right. over here. Don't look at this, yep. <laughs> you know? So that's, that's the problem I had with it. But anyway, um, well, I think we are, we've, we've been really long on this one. Um, probably our longest podcast ever. I think this will be probably be our longest podcast ever. And I, and I always cut things out to that, you know, either where it didn't flow right or it just wasn't really that great, but this is going to be a long one. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. for all of you guys out there that keep asking for longer podcasts, well, you're going to get your wish on this one. Uh, David, is there anything else that you had on your list you want to add? No, but I mean, it's one of those things that there's so many more topics you could go on for hours. So maybe when we see the comments and see what people are curious We're about. We're not going to read those, remember? Right, right. <laughs> you know, for our mental health. When we see what people are curious about, maybe we'll come revisit the topic and focus on some of those other other things. Because like I said, it's a, it's a complex topic. There's a lot of stuff you could... To, to talk about with this transition. And we didn't even talk about the autonomous part of it. We didn't. We didn't talk about <laughs> self-driving or any of the things. Uh, you know, of course, you could technically apply those to any yeah, type of true. power. So, yeah. But, um, okay. Well, that will wrap yeah. up this podcast. So will uh, legacy car makers be around, or is it game over for them? Let us know in the comments. Um, if, you, uh, if you're following us on uh, uh, YouTube, you can watch us on video for all the rest of the platforms. We're audio only. Um, thank you guys for watching or listening, and we'll see you in the next podcast.